Welcome back to Points of Intersection for what is episode five of the podcast. I have a conversation here with Cameron Nash. He was an engineering student at New Mexico State University, and I went to school with him for the last year that I was there. Abby went to school with him all four years that they were there. So he goes way back with us as a couple, was at our wedding, and has been my friend since I met him through Abby. So we have a great conversation. Uh, one that started off kind of just talking about his background and his uh, field of study and work field, which is engineering, and kind of just dove into deep topics of faith from there. We reference a couple episodes back when I have a conversation with uh, my cousins, the Hartmans, and also Abby, and kind of just dovetail from that conversation into big questions of faith as pertains to today. So it's a really useful conversation. It's one that I would recommend listening to for everyone kind of either on the fence about faith or just wrestling with pieces of faith. That conversation would be both relatable and helpful. One other quick side note before we jump into that conversation to say that I recommend listening to podcasts at higher speeds. I know that a lot of people don't like that, um, but I just think with busy lives uh, and other stuff going on, lots of podcast material to listen to, you can get through podcasts at a quicker rate. But again, that's just my recommendation. I thought I had to throw my two cents in there since I've had conversations about it recently and heard some commentary from Bill Simmons, among others, about about not listening to podcasts at higher speeds because it's like your brain being on drugs, essentially, <laughs> is the argument that I've heard. But again, my personal recommendation for this podcast also is that you listen to it at higher speeds. But again, thank you for listening to Points of Intersection. Here's my conversation with Cameron Nash. All right, welcome to the podcast, Cameron Nash. How are you doing today? Uh, I'm doing good. Good. You came from Colorado Springs today? Nope, you came from Denver. I came from Denver, <laughs> yeah. I came from uh, Littleton, Colorado. Yeah, I'm still thrown off by you being close to Red Rocks and my misconception that Red Rocks <laughs> is in Colorado Springs. So that's why that is the first thing that came to mind. But uh, how was the drive? Not too bad. Didn't hit much traffic. It was actually pretty fast, so yeah. Nice. It was good. And uh, you drove in a new car, right? I did. Brand new, brand new Subaru WRX. Went from a... Uh, 93 Civic to a 2017. That's solid. Like driving a rocket ship, actually. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, I can attest to that. It just (laughs) took me for a spin. It uh, definitely is a little quicker than most cars I've been in. It's cool. Are you a car guy? Not really, actually. It wasn't until I started looking at cars, and uh, it was more of like my first big purchase for out of college. I haven't. I've had the same car for 10 years, so it was kind of like yeah. Mm. Once I started looking at cars, started looking at sportier stuff, and then kind of went from there. Yeah, solid. So when you you said when you started to look at cars, you just did some research on it to yeah. make sure you got the one you wanted. Yep. Had and to be a stick shift. Yes, yeah. had to be a stick shift. Because I'm in Colorado now, I wanted an all-wheel drive car, and yeah, that was kind of the main things. I think I looked at every freaking YouTube video. <laughs> Yeah. About cars. <laughs> Watched all the Top Gear episodes? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, uh, what are you doing down in Littleton right now? Um, so I work as a systems engineer for Lockheed Martin. For people who don't know what a systems engineer does, they're basically taking a project and just making sure that it's making goals. 
um, kind of creating, creating requirements for certain projects as you kind of move forward. Cool. And uh, I'm aware that there are some things uh, related to your job that you can't say yes. to, to anyone, so I'll be uh, conscious of that. So you're in engineering now, and you graduated from New Mexico State Yep. Uh, this past year? Uh, 2018, May 2018 is when I graduated. Yeah, so I've been out about a year now. Yeah. And now, like, <laughs> sounds like jail. Yeah, it felt like that at times, right? Yes, yes. <laughs> Food wasn't quite as good as I was expecting, but you know what, that's right. Yeah, the orange jumpsuit, very, <laughs> very similar. Yes, yes. <laughs> Cool. So what focus in engineering did you have when you were in school, and is that directly related to your job now? Yeah, so I started. I actually started out in civil engineering for the first year and then switched to mechanical engineering my sophomore year. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so mechanical engineering background, and part of my job does pertain to that but systems engineering is very general and it kind of just depends on what job you're using or like working at mm-hmm. it could be very specific or it could be uh kind of broad like which i'm doing which is like more the high level overview of thinking mm-hmm. yeah yeah cool so what's the what are the like main differences for the laymen that are listening that don't know about engineering not me of course <laughs> i know all the ins and outs but uh what are the main differences between civil and mechanical um, and why so, did you make the change? Yeah, so uh, I guess kind of like, so civil, their areas are focused on like structure, water resource engineering, uh, kind of more environmental engineering. So things that aren't really moving, a lot of stationary things. Um, mm. So while with mechanical, it is extremely broad. And so we can go into kind of aerospace kind of engineering with mechanical, but also um, kind of stay with some civil engineering. I guess it's just kind of a broad area for engineering, I guess. Um, but yeah, a lot, of, a lot of moving parts, I mean, you know, understanding processes of like thermodynamics, fluids, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, cool. And the reason I switched from civil to mechanical was uh, I kind of talked to a lot of my um, couple, I guess like I would call them mentors, just like friends I knew. Uh, my best friend was a mechanical engineer, was in mechanical engineering. And so that was kind of one of the reasons I decided to switch over is just I had a lot of friends in there. So I know I'd be able to kind of work through, I guess he was my best friend from high school. So, I, you know, knowing him, I, I know I'd be able to work through with him. Mm. Um, and then also just mechanic, I just didn't really know what I wanted to do with engineering yet. And so mechanical was just so broad that I could, you know, get, get the degree and then kind of work my way around to see which area I wanted more or civil was kind of, this is what you want to be doing. Mm. So, yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. So civil in my layman mind, I'm thinking like, like structures in cities, like that kind of stuff, like skyscrapers. Yeah. So, I mean, you could design, I mean, like it could be structures, it could be bridges, dams, mm. This, this is a clean podcast. Please watch the link. <laughs> oh, my apologies. <laughs> that was a bad joke. I just had to throw that in. <laughs> Sit down, folks. So a lot more of those jokes coming your way. Don't you worry. That's just the start. <laughs> um, but yeah, so yeah, I mean, roads, uh, dams. Oh, I said it again. Gosh dang it. I apologize, everybody. Yeah, just like, like I said, a lot of like stuff that isn't moving. Mm. Um, but yeah. Gotcha. Cool. Well, we'll uh, get more into, th- into the specifics of, of your engineering job and what you want to focus on in the future. Um, but first, I'd like to get a little bit of your background. So where are you from and uh, what is kind of the, the landscape of your, of your youth? Landscape. So, uh, so I was born in Durango, Colorado, but then I was raised in the small town of Aztec, New Mexico for most of my life. Basically um, just across the border. Huh? Just across the border, yep, pretty sir. much from Durango. Not <laughs> <Yep>. that border. <laughs> well, a little border. farther north, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then, yeah, I'm an only child, so I grew up 
Uh, I guess I, I do have a half brother, but he is 20 years older than me. And so see him every once in a while, but didn't really have anybody like a sibling growing up, but had a lot of friends um, in Aztec that I definitely kind of consider family now. Mm. Yeah, that Aztec crowd uh, ran pretty strong at NMSU. <laughs> yep, we uh, we had a very strong following at NMSU. Mm. I think everybody who came into contact with somebody from New Mexico or from Aztec said that, you know, like, yeah, once I meet one of you guys, I meet all of you. <laughs> and I was mm. like, yeah, that's just kind of how we rolled. Um, yeah. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I was at New Mexico State just the last year of my school and close to the last year of yours yeah, yeah. also. Uh, Abby, my wife, was friends with a lot of you guys already, yep. and so I felt like I met more Aztec <laughs> people than anybody else, like, probably more than people from Las Cruces. Probably so. that first week, you just got baptized in Aztec people, yeah. basically. <laughs> yeah, it's like, where am I again? Is Aztec, New Mexico? Yeah. Um, no, it is a, it's a great crowd, so you're very close to a lot of those people still. Yep. I would say, yeah, it's kind of weird, because now we're all graduated and we're kind of all over the place, but a lot of my... Really close friends from high school. Um, probably some of my closest like friends, uh, Kyle, Hannah, and Kelsey. They're kind of all over the place, but those we were kind of like the Fantastic Four. We'd always hang out with each other, and then um, even people I've met in college, like a lot of the international students I met, I've kept in contact with too. Mm. So, and you and Abby were friends at New Mexico State, mm-hmm. and uh, Kyle, who one of those four you just mentioned, is yep. Becca's brother. Yes, right? yep. And Becca was Abby's bridesmaid, and yep. Abby was Becca's bridesmaid. I keep this straight. <laughs> a lot of connections there. Yeah. Yep. Growing up in Aztec, just to kind of get a, a feel for the culture there or the, um, again, kind of that landscape, was it principally Hispanic in in that town that you grew up in or was it uh, like 50-50? <laughs> I don't know. What, what, did, the, what did the racial, so, um, what was the racial uh, profile? So for Aztec... Is actually probably mostly white people. We had a lot of students from that are Native American that would uh, they live in the dorms. So during the week they'd be in the dorms, and the weekends they'd go back to you know wherever their parents were at, um, kind of mm. the local area. Like for high school, you mean? Yeah, for or, high school. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they had like dorms where the kids would come and live uh, for the week. So just how big the reservation was, or kind of where they lived at, it could be mm. you know a couple hours away, kind of thing. Mm. Um, so they had places for them to stay, mm. um, and I think we had like a decent Hispanic. Um, population too but it was predominantly probably like pretty farm <laughs> you know corn <laughs> corn fed you know white boys but um yeah. <laughs> yeah we're kind of more of a oil field kind of farm area so gotcha yeah cool did you um did you get to know some of those native american kids pretty well during high school yeah actually i mean one of my good friends alvin uh he's native american so i mean mm. probably one of the guys that i knew all the way i guess from middle school onwards so uh, i went to college mm. with as well yeah. Um, but yeah, I feel like I talked to a decent amount of them. But, yeah, that's uh, cool. Yeah. Because, like, I think for a lot of American kids growing up, uh, you hear about, like, Native American U.S. history mm-hmm. um, and don't really see that or live that yep. at all. Yep. It's kind of just like this detached thing. Like, there used to be Native Americans here, and then we put them on reservations, yeah. basically. <laughs> but you, yeah, you got to know some of that personally. Yeah know some of the history yeah it was definitely actually coming back from cruises a couple times it was nice when i wouldn't have any service i'd be going through the radio and it'd be kind of refreshing to come back and all of a sudden you hear navajo come through the radio like mm. it's a navajo radio station and like they had like you know just whatever music playing but it was kind of cool to come back to that kind of that feeling of like oh yeah this is this is where i'm kind of this is where i'm from yeah cool very cool um did you do uh did you go skiing there 
in Durango or nearby? Yeah, so I went to, I started skiing at Hesperus, Colorado, and when I was like in fourth grade, and then I uh, went to Purgatory, which is about an hour, or four, 30 minutes outside of Durango, hmm. north of Durango, and that was kind of my hometown resort. Uh, and I've, pastures haven't been as much just because I've lived in, lived in Cruces for a while, but went there, I had season pass for like 10 years, so. Solid. Yeah, it was a good, uh, it was a good balance of being, I guess, if I wanted to go to the mountains, it was 30 minutes away. If I wanted to go warm roads, I could go south, so. Yeah. Skiing or boarding when you'd go? Um, I learned how to, I started snowboarding, and I'm really good at snowboarding, but I also could ski. I hopped on mm -hmm. skis and picked it up decently quickly, pretty, like, pretty fast after that. Going back to engineering, I'm curious, if I haven't made it clear already, I don't know a ton about engineering. Uh, my brother's actually a chemical engineer-to-be. He's studying at Alabama Huntsville right now. Um, I've got a little bit of insight from him, but mm -hmm. um, I'm curious about what you're working on right now, about what you can share. Okay, yeah. And like what specifically project-wise are you working on? And you said like for now you're here mm -hmm. uh, while you get your clearance yep. for your job. Yeah. Um, so are you kind of like in a, in a training time right now or is it more so just like waiting, doing the job until you get cleared to, to go back to New Mexico? Yeah, so the program I'm on um, basically allows people who are waiting for their clearances to um, you know come to Denver and work on, on the classified work why their clearance is going through. So basically, rather than sitting in Las Cruces being a swim coach, <laughs> which I was doing before I got, you know, I came up here, I'm um, actually getting a lot of hands-on experience with uh, the corporate world and it's kind of what my job may look like if, you know, when I go back to Las Cruces. I guess what I'm working on right now is I'm working with small satellites, which is actually kind of a growing market. I didn't really know anything about it until I came to this project. And so it was a lot of learning kind of process to find out what they're doing with it, what kind of what, what the pros and cons of it is. Um, so I guess uh, for people who don't really know, um, you know, SpaceX is looking at putting up a constellation of satellites of like a thousand satellites that would provide internet for the world. And there's just a lot of issues that are coming in with that because if they do not have propulsion on their their buses, there isn't any way to you know obviously make maneuvers to avoid crashes. And I can't remember which what the satellites were i think it was iridium and something else two satellites collided and basically put a bunch of space debris you know and basically it's just stuck there now there's no way to get it out and so one of the big issues is looking at how do we regulate that in the future yeah so like making sure satellites don't collide again basically yeah. yep to create more space debris yep and i think uh when iridium i think it's iridium when they collided it was you know they they kept getting warnings for like you know one and a hundred thousand chance kind of like it was going to hit and then they finally got one that it's like one in ten thousand and they're like ah oh, you know it's probably just an error and then, then that's when it actually hit and they hmm. collided and just exploded when did that happen uh i think it's a couple years ago i actually don't remember i heard about it when i started at lockheed so i don't remember exactly what uh happened with that but yeah gotcha and it's uh it's circling the planet now yeah like it's so orbiting there's literally the just like just imagine like this confetti basically and mm. you know obviously not all the uh debris size is the same but it's just a lot of stuff and you, and you think about like how fast it's revolving you know going around the orbiting the earth at you know very small things when they hit stuff going at a high velocity will just <laughs> make it way worse so yeah mm -hmm. yeah cool well you said uh mechanical can be pretty broad yes uh are you by chance working on anything ai related and or getting to mars <laughs> Um, no to either of those. So I'm not working on anything for Mars and I'm not working on anything for AI. Um, there are teams that 
are working on that kind of stuff. Um, not only with the Lockheed, but obviously like Amazon and, stuff and you know stuff like that. Um, as a mechanical engineer, we get kind of some basis of like software engineering when we take classes, but it just kind of depends on internships you get that kind of point you in a certain direction. So mm. I didn't have a whole lot of software classes, so I didn't, I'm more just very general still, but I have friends who got their bachelor's in mechanical, but can also program. So they actually work as software engineers. So they have just mm. a very kind of well-rounded amount of knowledge. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, what are you uh, most interested in working on in the future? And do you kind of have like career goals to one, like one pinpoint that you want to eventually be working on? Or are you kind of more so uh, like working and, and seeing where it takes you? Yeah, so I'm kind of looking and seeing where it takes me because like I said, I chose mechanical because I didn't, a lot of, you know, a lot of my friends had this, I want to do this when I graduate. I want to be an aerospace engineer and work on rockets or something like that. I was just like, I want something challenging that has, you know, that is going to help us move forward and it has good job security. So that's kind of where I landed with mechanical. And so assistant engineering and my job at Lockheed is kind of like just the first step of like, do I really want to do this uh, for the rest of my life or do I need to find something else? And so I think that I would be happy working with Lockheed for the next 20 years. I don't know where I want to be. I think I'll probably jump around. I've only been at the company six months. So I think I could definitely hop around to other positions within Lockheed because um, we have different you know, we have different areas, you have space, um, aeronautics, you know, different sectors. So I can jump around to each part of the company if I wanted to. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't really have any goal, like specific area I want to work in right now. Um, mm-hmm. I haven't, you know, I don't have my clearance right now. So there's a lot of that stuff that I don't know about and I can't even talk mm-hmm. about when I get there. But mm-hmm. if I get there and I enjoy it, I might want to kind of keep in that area. Mm-hmm. But, so I don't know yet. Yeah, cool. So this might be the last time I'm able to talk with you off the record about about what you do. You might go MIA after after you get cleared. (laughs) Cool. Uh, Well, that's all the questions I have for now. Uh, Is there anything you wanted to say before we wrap it up? I don't think so. I don't really think of anything else that... All all the questions I had, I forgot about. Yeah. We'll we'll do uh, episode two, seeing as how I'm only like an hour and a half away now. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It'd be easy to do. So. I'll come to Denver next time. Hey, we right, there we, go. we uh, record part two. So, <laughs> Sounds all right. good. Thanks for joining me, Cameron. Yeah, no problem. Till next time. All right, and this is next time. Uh, after we stopped the last recording, uh, Cameron and I talked a little more and decided we had more to say. So here we are once again. This is part two, what, you, what you've been waiting for. <laughs> so, uh, <clears throat> yeah, Cameron, you and I were just uh, kind of talking a little bit about what we had discussed in a previous episode, two episodes back uh, with my cousins and Abby, um, talking about politics and faith in the American cultural system. Um, yeah, I, if you want to just open it up, what are some of your what are some of your thoughts on that? And what are some of the thoughts you had related to that? And also, yeah, what's your what's your take on it right now? Um, yeah, so I guess I was just curious just to see kind of your opinion on I mean, obviously, I feel like polit- like in the current state, I feel like politics have had kind of a negative effect on Christianity to certain, I guess, faiths. And I just kind of wanted to get your opinion on kind of that general idea. And I guess let's just focus with the United States for right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just finished a documentary. It's a Netflix documentary called Trump, an American Dream. And it was, it was helpful for me to learn about uh, President Trump's business background and also his like personal background of how he eventually became United States president. 
um, because I think a lot of people look at him now and think he's a schemy kind of guy. Uh, he's a little <laughs> seedy, might be the right word. Um, but just to kind of watch the documentary and see that he was always kind of like that, always kind of like a, a winner's mentality mm-hmm. and like do whatever it takes to to get ahead, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not just trying to bash the president. Um, I think that he would probably agree with that sentiment that he does what it takes to get ahead. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think as it regards faith for him, uh, I don't I don't think that he is as strong a Christian as he has like portrayed himself to be. I think that is mostly for the sake of, of getting the evangelical mm-hmm. American Christian vote. And so that's why I said in that in that previous podcast that I think his rise and his his rhetoric usage uh, has kind of put a, a dark a mm-hmm. darkness over American evangelicalism or just American Christianity um, because he's kind of like the I mean he's the figurehead of the country he's the president but also he is strongly um, rhetorically Christian. Uh, alongside the things that he says that are very unchristian. And so I think it throws in confusion mm-hmm. and it throws in um, <laughs> reason for people to look at American Christians and say, yeah, like this is what I'm talking about, about people being hypocrites. Or yeah. this is what I'm talking about, about people saying one thing and doing something else. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think it's kind of an unfortunate time for... I don't know. It, it's this weird kind of backlash, I think, between mm-hmm. like you had mentioned earlier when we were cho- uh, when we were talking about the left that might not necessarily be Christian, but is very strongly humanitarian mm-hmm. a lot of times and focused on social rights mm-hmm. and justice, and seeing this kind of very pretty far right yeah. uh, spouting Christian ideals, but also not being focused on the good of immigrants or yeah. focused on the good of um, those less fortunate is kind of just like winning. And so I think that's a big part of Trump's game is to kind of get the Christian base on his side mm-hmm. and then live in such a way that is businesslike mm-hmm. and is cutthroat. And so I think that's that, those are kind of the blurred lines that I see right now. Okay. Yeah. What do you, what do you think about that? Yeah, it's just, I just see a lot of nobody's trying to work together. Um, I think it's just we're driving such a wide gap in between... You know, because on one side, you know, when you think of voting, you know, if you're, you know, uh, pro, pro-choice pro or pro, you know, pro-life kind of thing that just drives a lot of people, you know, based on your faith, obviously, you know, you, you're pro-life, but at the same time, yeah, because it's like, you know, obviously I'm not a woman and I'm not in cer- certain situations, so it's like people are on one or the other side, there's no middle ground of like, okay, what can we work with, you know, so that you can keep you know some of your values and some of your values but then mm. keep moving forward mm. um why do you why do you say like you're not a woman like what do you mean by um that? so obviously you know like i you know if i this is just my personal belief but if i was a woman and i chose to have sex and you know there's a possibility of me getting pregnant um that's just me being responsible and realizing that could be an outcome mm. and so i would be fully i wouldn't i would just take full responsibility for that and so but at the same time, you know, there are women who that happens or, you know, like there's a certain, like a very serious situation of like a woman is raped, you know, how do you deal with that when it, you know, wasn't consensual kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it, it's those kind of situations where 
Um, I think as a Christian, it's very morally hard because you, mm-hmm. you know, obviously, you know, you follow these, what, you know, this is the way you're supposed to follow it. But these, you know, there's this, these like certain situations, like how do you deal with that? Mm. Um, still abiding by your moral, I guess, background. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And just, just for a little bit of your background, um, were you raised Christian? Yes, I was. Okay. Yeah. Um, I guess just a quick segue on that. So I was raised uh, Methodist, um, and then I stopped going to church probably from like when I was 18 to in my mid-20s. Um, I just had a lot of issues with the church, and that was kind of just like a five-year kind of adventure of just figuring out, just kind of living. Um, mm-hmm. And then kind of at the end of college, kind of going started going back to church and then moved up here and then kind of went back to a more neutral <laughs> mm. uh, kind of stance. But yeah, so that's kind of... Mm my background on stuff Mm, yeah yeah cool um yeah and i i agree with you i think it's it's easy to moralize from a detached standpoint Mm -hmm. um but if you find yourself in that situation whether you know whether it be and it it does matter it matters a lot but like Mm -hmm. whether it was your choice or not you find yourself in the situation Mm -hmm. and you have to make a difficult moral decision at that point but again i i agree also with what you say about kind of these ideological stances of of the right saying like well it's never okay to kill an unborn baby that's mm-hmm. never okay yeah and then the left saying like well it's never okay to take a right the take away the <laughs> yeah. rights of a woman and she can do with her baby and her body mm-hmm. as she wants mm-hmm. and i also see those the very hard line on both sides mm-hmm. and saying like this is where i put my feet in the sand and i'm not going to budge and anybody that is kind of like on the other side mm-hmm. is my enemy. Um, and like interesting related to that, uh, I've been reading recently about like us versus them. And um, it's a quick, a quick plug all, uh, including the show notes, but uh, <laughs> it's Behave by Robert Sapolsky. And he talks about how us theming, like he just makes it a verb because it's so prevalent in human nature. Um, because us first theming is when we like automatically habitually create this dichotomy of this is my camp and this is my group Mm -hmm. and that's that's their Mm -hmm. group and that's their camp Um, and so I think that definitely bleeds into politics and maybe maybe part of the reason why we ended up with two very strict and very hard hard lined hard edged uh, political parties Mm -hmm. but yeah how do you like how do you see that like does faith bleed into politics or do politics bleed into faith more or what, what do you see being kind of the reasons why the two are often married and why it's like and again this isn't always the case but like typically and traditionally christian is conservative and mm-hmm. non-religious is is liberal yeah it's a good question i feel like i think that is both kind of bleeding to each other honestly kind of evenly because um, just, you know, if I'm a Christian and I voted for a guy, you know, uh, a president who is Christian is, and is preaching to me Christian beliefs, then I'm going to get kind of caught up in the po- politics of that and say like, oh, well, this side, they follow these guidelines. And so they're kind of mm-hmm. just like feeding you something you want to hear. Mm-hmm. Um, same thing with the other side too. I feel like they're feeding you something they, that you want to hear. So you're going to get more involved in say that group, because that's something you support. I feel like this is... Mm-hmm you know, with most things in in life, you know, obviously if you find a group that (laughs) likes to go fishing, you know, 
you're going to seek that more often and then you're going to kind of keep being more involved in that. Um, mm -hmm. Hopefully it wasn't too <laughs> out of the way, but um, yeah, that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, definitely. And like when you want to uh, belong or you just want to be a part of a group, which is very human mm -hmm. um, and somebody is saying things that you can't agree with, uh, the tendency or the, I don't know, the easy thing to do or even the natural thing to do, you could say, is to jump in that group and say, like, I found mm -hmm. my group. Yeah. Like those who also like to fish. Yeah. Or those who also <laughs> yeah. are Christian. What, like, I guess, I guess, uh, as a, as a segue from that, how, how is it possible to be in a group, but also kind of like have your own personal views? Um, yeah. Like how, how do we be how do we be self thinking individuals? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I guess is a question. Or even civil, I guess to a point. Um, I think it's it just takes a little bit of sacrificing on each end. At least for me, like if I um, am with you know a group with differing views, I guess you know obviously I, I will keep hold of what I consider most important to me, but that does not mean that I have to. You know, every time we go out, you know, and get a disagreement, I have to force something that I believe kind of out into the conversation. It's just, I think we can all be <laughs> good human beings, I guess, just mm. by, you know, going back to like, you know, you said like, what kind of hobbies do I have? So it's like, you know, obviously I'm not going to have the same hobbies as you, but when mm. we come together, you know, we can still hang out and have conversation, not even think about what mm. I did for, you know, when I came up here, when I played Xbox or that kind of stuff. So yeah, I think it's just coming to the table with knowing, I guess that's, you know, with the debate, I feel like you have to have what you're grounded with, but be willing to at least listen and just kind of understand where they're coming from. I feel like that can help a lot. Mm, yeah, definitely. Um, and I, I agree. I, I think a conversation, if it is, well, a conversation is one thing. And I think that can be very beneficial mm -hmm. for both people in the conversation, but yeah. even a debate, like you said, um, I think ideally should be both people learning something from mm -hmm. the other person. Yeah. And then not even having to come to an agreement at the end, but like civility throughout. Mm -hmm. And then it'd be great if both parties could learn something from yeah. the other. Yeah. Do you have something to... Um, oh, yeah, I was just, yeah, it's just because you... Just going back to like seeing it from somebody else's perspective, you know, going back to like uh, just uh, pro-life, you know, pro-choice kind of thing. It's like, yeah... I, oh, like they bring a point up. I'm like, oh, I never thought of it like that. I wonder how that kind of, you know, changes some things. Let me look back at what I was believing in and you know, kind of rework that so I can kind of understand that. And then, you know, fact check a bit, you know, go through, kind of like ponder it a little bit and be like, okay, well, here's here's reasons why I don't believe in that or, you know, it doesn't work for me. Mm, yeah. Well, that was, uh, <laughs> that was my sister's dog knocking over a stack of books. She is with us in my little home office slash library <laughs> because she was whining outside the door and I'm watching her for the time being. So don't be alarmed. It was the dog in the background, <coughs> not aliens or anything else. Um, but yeah, so hmm, I'm trying to <laughs> try to get back in. The dog distracted me. <laughs> I guess this kind of going to kind of the conversation you had with um, you know, two episodes with your cousins and Abby. Mm of why, I think, I can't remember what Gabby said, but why have people started to leave the church for maybe still being Christians, but not being, I guess, you know, in church kind of Christians, you know, like going to, you know, church every Sunday, 
reading the Bible, but still living through like Christ's principles, I guess. Mm-hmm. Why do you think that has kind of become a, a trend, at least in the United States? Like I think you said, you know, elsewhere it's kind of on the rise depending on mm-hmm. location, but why in the United States does that happen? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I So I think that my opinion on that would probably differ from a lot of Christians' opinion, mm-hmm. um, but really we can only speak well and and somewhat fully from our own experience Mm -hmm, yeah and so like i think similar to what you have described of like being in the church and then Mm -hmm. kind of becoming like somewhat disenchanted with Mm -hmm. it and going out and exploring what else is out there or just living life and trying to be a good person and trying to figure it out i Mm -hmm. think i think whether we know it or like acknowledge it or not we're we're all to some degree trying to figure it out mm-hmm. and we're, we're not, we're not just like kind of going through life, uh, regardless of what we believe necessarily, we're not just kind of like floating on through, like yeah. we, we have this urge to figure it out. Yeah. And so I think that for me personally, the reason that I was turned off to church at different points, I, it seems to be the case that this is true for a lot of people, and I might be wrong in this, and you can tell me also your your perspective yeah. on it. But for me, it was that in the church, certain things were not talked about. They were not mm, touched on. Yeah. When those things are kind of elephants in the room, whether it be like what's happening in the country, whether it be um, why certain people don't believe the same thing as us, mm-hmm. why there are thousands of denominations yeah like those denominational splits Mm -hmm. um we kind of just talk about the same thing over and over and it's a good thing like (laughs) (laughs) yeah if if god came in human flesh and died for us that is something worth talking about for sure um and i think that should be always be a focus of like christian adherence and if you are trying to emulate the life of christ you should talk about him but even Mm -hmm. even there are things that that jesus said that we don't like to talk about in the American church. And so as I've, as I've gotten older too, and as I've, uh, you could say, become more educated, uh, like graduated college or gone through college, mm-hmm. um, I, I just saw this gap between what is discussed in church and what is discussed like in the classroom. Yeah. Um, what what like level we're willing to go to when we meet on Sunday mornings mm-hmm. versus what level we're, go- we're willing to go to in just like public discourse, mm-hmm. uh, in lecture form or debate form. And it was just like stark dichotomy to me about how like these things that we're talking about, we like dive all the way in and talk about uh, biology and psychology and evolution. We mm-hmm. talk about the mind of man and why, I don't know. It's There's so many, there's so many different topics we can talk about. Mm-hmm. And I didn't see any of those being discussed in the church. Yeah, And I think a lot of people have issue with that today mm-hmm. and they get mm-hmm. bored or they get they stop believing that the church is legitimate when they mm-hmm. refuse to touch certain topics yeah and i think for me like if that is the case and again i'm gonna open the floor to you in just a second yeah. sorry i'm kind of ranting no, um but i think an antidote to that is to talk about those things in tandem with faith because mm-hmm. it's not this we've kind of touched on this already it's not this stark it's not these like clean boxes between yeah. faith and science or mm-hmm. your religious views and your political views. It should be this like enmeshed thing because we are, we're kind of like a cocktail of emotions mm-hmm. and beliefs and experiences and 
wrestling and doubting and mm-hmm. all these things uh, that we do as humans, they're connected. So, yeah, I've said this before, and I said this in that podcast, but I really appreciate the work of people like Jordan Peterson um, and also also people of that vein, even, even Sam Harris, uh, who is an atheist, mm-hmm. but he thinks similarly to Jordan Peterson and kind of takes the full scope of a thing, of, of reality, and mm-hmm. tries to wrestle with it. And I think that yeah. is something that the church has not done, uh, in my in my experience, has not taken the full scope of reality and said, what do we do with this? Mm-hmm. It's usually like, let's talk about the propaganda that we can spread <laughs> about God. Yeah. And that's dangerous. Like, no matter what propaganda you're spreading, it's dangerous to do yeah. so and not allow questions and not allow discussion. So, um, yeah, sorry, that's the end <laughs> of my rant. <laughs> No, that was good. Um, yeah, I had a I had a friend who's like that who kind of left the church. You know, her her parents were missionaries, and she left the church because you know people yeah people weren't asking questions. They're like weren't answer like as soon as she'd ask a question, they're like yeah don't worry about it. Like just kind of hush hush, and that just kind of turned her away. So I can definitely under see that side of why people leave the church, and I I can definitely understand that. Me personally, so with my church, I just saw a lot of people getting taken advantage of. Um, I guess financially, kind of. One thing that kind of bothered me at a Christian conference I went to in Denver was, it was like a youth conference. I think I was like in middle school, and can't remember who was talking, but you know, he was like, "We have some people in Nigeria that you know you you guys can sponsor if you want to. Um, you know, if you want to do that, go ahead and go get up and go over there." And like nobody got up, and it was kind of like then he kind of was like come on guys, like go over there. And it was kind of like forcing people to do that. And I just mm-hmm. had a really big issue of people like, obviously like money's just money, but at the same time, it's like people are getting manipulated. Just like, I feel, I feel like if I want to give something, I want to give it out of my heart and because I want to, not because somebody is telling me you should be giving this. And so even with my church, I just kind of was like, just wasn't really, you know, a lot of people, I kind of just feel like showed up just because I was kind of their social socializing and it wasn't really... Because I wanted to be there, I guess, if that makes sense. Um, and so that was kind of why I left for a while. Kind of, and then I guess the other thing, too, was um, going back to here's the Christian values. Um, but all, you know, a lot of, I knew a lot of people who said they were Christian but lived completely opposite of that. And that just bothered me. And mm-hmm. in my mind at the time, I said that if I'm not going to be living my life towards Christ and putting an honest effort out, I do not want to be associated with being I guess, I mean, I still want to be, you know, known as a Christian, but not necessarily associated with that group. And so I was mm-hmm. like, but if I'm not going to put up my effort, I don't want to be, you know, part of that. Because I feel like I'm tainting this idea of what a Christian is. And uh, I know what Gabby kind of said, too, is you can't kind of associate it as one big group. Because obviously every single person has a different perspective on things. You know, this person may say he's Christian and do the complete opposite. And you have the same person who says they're Christian and move towards that. So you can't really categorize everybody under one big umbrella i guess Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and so like for you when you said you came to the point of like Mm -hmm. if you like are not fully bought in at that time you're not going to like taint the church the church values yeah um did you feel like you just had some exploring to do at that time or was it kind of in tandem with you seeing like some of that hypocrisy that you mentioned and said like well i don't want to be that type of hypocrite but i also know like what church like can be or should be and like that's not me yeah i I guess i kind of just wanted to just kind of i think i was just tired of 
uh, just kind of focusing on it so much that I just didn't really feel like nothing, anything at the moment was coming out and just kind of living my life, I guess, was fine at the time. Um, it was just kind of, yeah, I was kind of just, I would just call, say, floating. I still had my faith. Um, it was still there, but it wasn't like as strong as it probably should have been, but it was just something I wasn't really, just really didn't want to push forward, I guess. Mm. Um, I don't know if I really answered the question, but... <laughs> no, no, that's good. I was just curious because uh, it kind of, like it sounded like you mixed the the communal aspect mm-hmm. of like, this is us as a church and this is yeah. what I see and like, this is me personally. So yeah. It's kind of like oh, both okay. and... I get what you're saying. Um, yeah, I think at that point it was just more kind of just want to do my own thing. I didn't really see the community. That wasn't, uh, I guess, a community I wanted to be a part of. It was kind of just like, well, just be my own thing. Mm, yeah. Yeah, and I think related to that, some of what I felt, again, this is kind of like going back to these years of, and I don't think this is uncommon, the years of college being that time to go and explore, to to look for, do I actually believe this? Uh, what else is out there? Like, let me let me broaden my horizon. Let me widen my my worldview but during that time or leading up to that time I just wondered what we were doing sometimes Mm -hmm. when we would meet for church or like church related things and I had other things that I wanted to be doing and I understood like like reading the bible and Mm -hmm. uh, studying that and talking about it worshiping all that kind of stuff but what I didn't understand sometimes is just like all right, like we're going to have this event and we are a Christian community. And I guess maybe part of that is <laughs> I'm not I'm not the personality type to just love community for community's sake. Mm-hmm. But e- even that is like sometimes there were better ways to have community. And I, w- with that being said, I also think there's this kind of loss of community mm-hmm. in the United States right now and around the world you could say with with like social media and we're becoming lonelier and lonelier the more connected we get mm-hmm. kind of in a paradoxical way but the there's a communal aspect lost as churches decline and there's less people like meeting on a weekly basis mm-hmm. outside of just work responsibilities mm-hmm. um, as church numbers decline so i think that is something that is lost but i also think there is there is hope for something greater to come out of this like down period and not to sound like <laughs> like rah rah for christianity even <laughs> i just mean like i think we can get better and learn from this situation before church in the united states just dies out mm-hmm. like it from what i've heard and from what i've read like it almost has in in western europe that that those western nations that used to be very christian i mentioned this in that episode too but these these nations that used to be very Christian, uh, even officially sometimes, have almost like reached a zero point of, mm-hmm. of Christians in that country, uh, percentage-wise. Mm-hmm. And so, e- I mean, even there, there's like hope, obviously. And I say all this kind of like tongue-in-cheek, because I also feel like I'm still going through some of the phase of like, what do I fully believe and why do I believe it? And I think there's like a healthy amount of doubt that I'm still like clinging to as I say this, but I see good in Christianity. I see, I get, I get into that another time, but I want, I want to hear more of your, more of your stance. I guess one thing um, I, I was thinking about too is, you know, so these people aren't going to church, but are they still Christian? And I guess what, 
constitutes being a Christian, I guess. Mm. Um, because I feel like in Europe, you know, um, I have friends that don't necessarily, you know, go to church, but they still, I feel like I'm kind of the same thing. You know, I don't go to church, but I still, you know, at times will think of, you know, I don't know, just like a Bible or a cross. Like you see that and you associate that and you kind of think about at the time you think about God or something. So I guess at that, I don't know, I think it's, it's a very broad statement because you have people on, you know, full spectrum of people who read the Bible every day, go to church, and there's also people who don't really read it at all, but they're still very grounded in their faith. Hmm. So I guess is there, do you think there's a, I don't, I, I don't think there's a technical, you are a Christian, I guess, besides, tech, you know, being technical and saying that you accepted Christ into your heart, but I guess what hmm. constitutes in our current, uh, um, just like in our, like in the world, like what makes you Christian? Hmm. Yeah. A weird standpoint. <laughs> mm. No, I think um, that's a good question. I I didn't even really think about that that distinction between Christians that like attend church and the Christians mm-hmm. that don't, because I guess from what I've heard and seen, people, and and I was gonna say maybe for an answer, I think the the easiest way to 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 get at that or to estimate that is just to say how many people profess to be Christians mm-hmm. or say that they are Christians and. Yeah. It seems like most of the time when people stop going to church, they say, well, like, I don't know if I'm Christian or mm-hmm. I'm not Christian anymore because I couldn't stand for things being said in the church or for yeah. things being done in the church. Um, but I, I do think I do think people can be Christian and have faith um, while not attending church. Okay. And they they might just be like wrestling through it and yeah. maybe maybe they meet in like church like settings like maybe they mm-hmm. meet in people's homes and talk and have community yeah. maybe maybe they like investigate uh, theology and to me theology can include like looking at the looking at the universe and saying like what does this mean mm-hmm. what mm-hmm. how do we dissect this how do we mm-hmm. what do we make of this um, that can be kind of the same searching as a Bible study, potentially. Yeah. Um, but I, I'm curious, I'm curious with what you said about, well, well, do you, do you think that people of faith don't attend church and they, they hold on to a faith and live out of faith? And the reason, like part of the reason I ask is because I don't know if I've heard that called faith before, mm-hmm. but I'm very curious, like if uh, these friends that you've talked with and people that you know of, um, do hold on to a faith without attending church. Yeah, so I guess from a personal perspective, like I said, I haven't been to church in like months now, um, and I was at a time, you know, reading the Bible every night and then also praying, but that has also stopped. But there are just times, I think there was like a Bible study I had in, um, I had in Las Cruces, and I remember, um, I think it was something in Psalms, it was about, uh, just just wanting to be in God's presence constantly. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you, you get the idea of, like, you have to be in church to feel that. You have to be reading the Bible to, you know, search, like, feel that. And I think what I one thing I brought up was that, for, at least for, like, with my faith, is, like, I could literally be driving home and to see a gorgeous sunset and just think of, like, just going back to, like, wow, I'm so grateful for the life I've been giving. So that's kind of, like, my standpoint of, like, faith, you know, where I, I just you know, just seeing somebody smile or something. I, I associate things with God just in everyday life. And that's where I kind of feel like I get more of a appreciation. And um, I guess going back to, I think people can hold on to their faith without going to church or reading the Bible, but I think it's very hard. I think um, 
I think Matt Clark, uh, I think that was the UCC pastor, right? Mister, mm-hmm. um, was saying that, you know, like that the church is like a tool or the Bible is a tool to for like further your faith as you kind of go on. Mm. Um, so I think you can, without going to church or the, you know, reading the Bible, have some sort of faith, that kind of identity of faith. But mm. if we want to strive towards kind of the potential we can be at with our faith, I think going to church mm. and reading the Bible not, and just like reading, you know, uh, will help us get there. Mm. Yeah. And I, I agree. I think you can, so I'm, I'm envisioning someone like leaving church and I, I'd say if, if things were just like slightly different in my life that I would have left church a long time ago mm-hmm. and very possibly not be attending church or involved in the ministry like mm-hmm. I am now. Yeah. Um, if things were just slightly different, I think that could very easily be the case. And I, I would have probably like left church saying, like I'm going to live out what I believe to be true and it's mm. just like somewhat different from what the church holds. Yeah. Like there's things I agree with, things I disagree with. Yeah. Um, but then I feel like the more you, time you spend away from that, uh, the further you might get, not not like morally or even like action-wise, mm-hmm. but just like in your thinking. Yeah. I can, I can see that too because just as, as I haven't gone to church or, you know, that kind of stuff, I just, you know, I stopped praying it was just that being away from that, I just didn't feel the need to do it. Kind of, mm-hmm. it's kind of a weird point, I guess. Mm-hmm. So I can, I can understand that. Yeah. Well, and and there were times when I was in church where I really didn't want to be. Like it was, it was part of my <laughs> job or like part of my internship. Yeah. To be in church, and I was like, gosh, like this is the last place I want to be on a Saturday night or a yeah. Sunday morning. Um, and so I'd say, like, even in that point, when I was in church, but didn't want to be. I was just as, well, I would say I had like less faith in, in some of those moments or mm-hmm. some of those nights than somebody that's not attending church, but like loving people well mm-hmm. and even just like living out uh, Christ's principles. Mm-hmm. And the way I think of, the way I think of uh, Christ himself now, so I just rewind back a little bit. I wanted to say that there is a term that I first heard from Christian Wyman. His book that I read is uh, My Bright Abyss. But he says the term Christian atheist. And he said, like, I'm a, I'm a Christian atheist because I hold on to some of these beliefs and some of these mm-hmm. truths, but I'm still wrestling with a lot of it. And sometimes, in mm-hmm. some points of the day, I don't believe there's a God. Other times I do. Yeah. And it's, he's quoting somebody else, but somebody else that mentioned the term also said like i'm lucky if i believe in god two days out of the week um and this was like a christian woman Jeez. um and so but but i i think that like that is that tells about some of the noise in our world today mm-hmm. about just like there's so much information yeah like yeah. how do we how do we filter all this how do we make mm-hmm. sense of all this information like constantly coming at us mm-hmm. um postmodernism and uh, I don't mean to just stop at postmodernism, but I'm just like kind of at a loss for words about all the possible things you could adhere to mm-hmm. or you could believe in or yeah. believe the concepts of. But I was I was kind of at that point of being like Christian atheist myself. And I would have even said at that point, like I very well might be atheist because most of the time I don't believe these things that are being said at church. Yeah. Um, but something that really flipped the switch started to, not flip the switch, but 
started to move me back toward a belief just mm-hmm. in in a higher power in, yeah. in God yeah. as like the creator was thinking of of Jesus himself as the ultimate man and I think Jesus often has this mystical idea about him about like that's Jesus like Jesus yeah you know? <laughs> like, like what else do you have to say yeah but yeah. there's a lot more to say like yeah. if he if he's God in human form then he's the ultimate man and like he's the picture to look to not mm-hmm. as not as Jesus or not as the symbol of Christianity but mm-hmm if we're trying to be good men, good women, mm-hmm. we're trying to live a life that matters, mm-hmm. we would look to the one who did it best. And maybe that is Buddha. Maybe that is <laughs> Krishna. Like, yeah. <laughs> but if, if Jesus is uh, God in human flesh, like he seemed to say that he was, mm-hmm. and not, not that explicitly even, which is, I think, adds to some of the confusion. But, but um, it's called the messianic secret. Mm-hmm. Um, that he didn't just come out and say like, yes, I'm God. But if he, if he is that, then there is someone to emulate that is unmistakably the right person to emulate. Okay. Um, and so I guess when I dropped a lot of the tradition behind it and a lot of the mysticism about what it means to follow Jesus, mm-hmm. I just thought like the primordial man, like the word became flesh there's something much bigger here than just Christianity, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What do you think? <laughs> I don't have too much thoughts on that. I guess, so kind of going in a different direction, uh, kind of going back to our main theme. So I talked to one of my friends about this, because I've seen a lot of posts about, you know, this is written in the Bible. This is how it is. You do not have a different perspective on it. What do you think on that? Because I guess in general, you know, because I guess my thinking behind this was, you know, if I read a sentence and you read a sentence, we could have totally different understandings than, you know, what it could possibly mean. And I just have a big problem with that. Like, you know, okay, they, like, they say it was written, you know, 2,000 years ago, but it's still relatable to today. But I just, it's kind of a weird thing to think about that. Cause, yeah, it was written 2,000 years ago. And obviously God had a plan, you know, of, of kind of writing the Bible and kind of all that. But yeah, I guess, do you think that can... <laughs> Can people have different perspectives on certain parts of the Bible, like reading it? Hmm. Yeah, so I'm not familiar with those posts. It says like a Bible verse and then says like... No, it just says like, uh, it's just like a, you know, like a Facebook picture that says, you know, the Bible was written 2,000 years ago. It's still relatable to today. You can't change, you know, what it said then to uh, apply to today's, I don't know, it's kind of something like, I'll see if I can find it, but it's, mm. yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, so it was arguing against the Bible being relevant today or for it? It was saying it, sh- it is relevant today. You can't change it to today's standards of like, oh. from like today's, if I read the Bible today versus 2,000 years ago, mm. just different perspectives on that, I guess. Yeah, well, <clears throat> so again, I might differ from from Orthodox Christian thought on this, but I think that, well, first of all, like, God didn't write the Bible, uh, people did. And whether they were inspired by God or not is kind of the question, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, But say, so say they are inspired by God. I think it's very, it's very helpful to, to know the context that they were coming from. Yeah. Because something they said back then might be very different in our Mm -hmm. culture today when we read it. But also, I also have a belief that like truth is truth and truth is consistent. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. it should not yeah. be, 
it should not be it should not be so incoherent to us today yeah. if it is from God. Mm-hmm. Because if if God is truth and if he wants to communicate uh, different kinds of truth in the Bible, mm-hmm. then he would allow that to persist to a certain degree. Yeah, you know? yeah. And that I guess that makes sense. I, th- I think there are certain parts where obviously this is the way it was said, and it mm. yes, it makes 100% sense now. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess one thing to kind of bring up would be like, so I think I was on a plane and I was reading out of Romans, but it was talking about homosexuality and how it was just, you know, this mark of the beast and how in today's age we are coming to a point where, you know, we're accepting not only gays but transgender and that kind of thing. So how do we, I'm just trying to think of how, because obviously, you know, God says to love everyone, but how do we kind of get back to, you know, this, this shouldn't be a thing, I guess. Hmm. Cause it's, cause it's just going back to like, you know, obviously I've, you know, I have a lot of gay friends, but it's like, I, I, I just don't see why I should, you know, hate these people. I mean, obviously I think part of it is just on our end, loving them as much as, you know, that's not my job. My job is to, uh, you know, show them Christ's love. Mm-hmm. You know, somebody else, you know, obviously it's God who's going to be judging them, but I guess it's just kind of a weird stance with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the the verse in Romans that you're referring to about uh, Paul saying like calling it an abomination yeah is that, and just to understand like uh, more clearly you don't agree with that assessment of homosexuality or you feel like I don't know I guess I need a little I guess, more clarification yeah no, on it that. makes sense so I guess you're kind of saying like because it's like the saying you know hate this the sin not the sinner kind of thing mm-hmm. is that kind of what you're getting at like. Do I actually think that, you know, being gay is okay or is it? Yeah. Well, I, I'm just trying to understand your question better. Okay, um, yeah. so are you asking like, are you asking like, how do we get back to where homosexuality is considered wrong or how do we move past I, I hating? Like, yeah. I guess how, how do we keep moving forward as Christians who are mm-hmm. supposed to be loving everybody? I feel like there's a point where, you know, like at what point do we say that's not right? We can't mm-hmm. be doing this. Yeah. Um, yeah, okay. So I think that a lot of things that are said in the Bible are for the good of people. Mm-hmm. And it's not that God is going to be angry for the act itself necessarily. Mm-hmm. I think God gets angry when we hurt ourselves and hurt other people. Okay. And so I don't think that that hate for a people group is ever the right answer and I don't yeah. think that I don't think that God would condone hate. He mm-hmm. Yeah he created love to be like the strongest thing. Yeah. And so he yeah. wants us to spread that. But I also think the the view that I have is I think there was some, there was some contextual reasons why mm-hmm. Paul said that and why it's in Leviticus as well in the Old Testament, uh, pretty clearly being labeled a sin. Mm-hmm. Um, but something to keep in mind, like in regards to Leviticus, uh, God told the people not to eat certain kind of animals. And that was categorized in the same like book of laws as okay. was the homosexuality thing. Okay. And then eventually he said, it's okay to eat these animals now. Like if you are not, or if you're Christian as opposed to Jewish and you believe that okay. the new Testament is a continuation of the gold essentially. Okay. Um, but he took away that, that mandate to my understanding is, is because they don't, they didn't have the methods to clean those animals at the time. And so yeah. he's saying, if you eat these animals, it's going to make you sick and you're going to die. And I don't okay. want that. Um, and so I think in a similar vein, homosexuality, if it is a sin and I wouldn't even like, I personally would not even go so far as to say that. I think it's more so 
God laying out the lifestyle that will work and saying like, <laughs> okay, yeah, this that, is that makes like, sense. This is the way to live if you want to live. Continue like living fruitfully. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, biologically, that's yeah, true. Yeah, yeah, if you want yeah. to continue as a yes. as a race, you have to be yeah uh, heterosexuality or heterosexual. Somebody does, but <laughs> but um, even on an individual basis, I think the reason that homosexuality is singled out for being quote unquote a sin mm-hmm. is because it can lead to harmful consequences and it can add to confusion in someone's life. I hate to sound like a standard like preacher, like just bashing homosexuality. Mm-hmm. Cause I think that has been done far too much in the name of Christianity. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would just encourage people that are go- like that live a lifestyle or are struggling with that or accept that in themselves to say, is this the best thing for me? Like, I don't know the answer for individuals. And if somebody says yes, and they like feel that that is the right answer for them, then it is not my place to say no. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. No, that was a good, that was a good answer. I like that. Like, Mm. uh, kind of gave me a good perspective on that issue also. Is there anything else on that? I've got a couple more questions I could ask, but yeah, well, I just, I want to say one other quick thing is like, I think that goes back to the hard line nature of people us theming <laughs> saying like well you either are with homosexuality being okay and you are pro gay marriage mm-hmm. or you're against it and you're a christian bigot <laughs> and you suck <laughs> like yeah and christians are over here saying as they hear that from the, that side them being like well you have a depraved mind and that's that <laughs> you yeah. know like i don't think either are true or accurate it's just people taking harder lines than they need to as opposed to having productive discourse. Mm-hmm. I guess that, that's kind of going back to like the, the general idea of like people leaving the church and trying to figure things out rather than just listening to what they've been told and just accepting it. It's like now mm-hmm. people are leaving the church and saying like, that doesn't make sense. I'm going to kind of look into this a little more. So mm-hmm. I think that just go, yeah, just going back to what we were talking earlier, I think a lot of people are trying to figure that out. Just mm-hmm. kidding. They're more willing to try to find a middle ground where they can discuss rather than being caught up in a, you're right, I'm like, you're wrong, I'm right kind of situation. Yeah, and if you're in the church, you might feel a need to defend the church at yeah. all costs. Or if you're outside, you might want to defend whatever social group you find yourself in. Yeah, um, so this is something that I was I was listening to a podcast on the Ed Milet show, and he was talking to a wife, a man, I guess her husband was a pastor who had committed suicide. Um, and it was kind of an interesting talk because, su- I mean, obviously suicide, a lot of people, same thing, people have very strong opinions on it. You know, there's people who say like, oh, they, you know, they were just sick and they couldn't affect, you know, like, it, like they couldn't control it or to the people who said they were selfish and they just wanted to commit suicide. But one of the points they were talking about was how just the integration of mental health and faith. And I was kind of, it was just kind of just thrown just kind of that topic out there of, you know, mental, I guess one of, I guess more specifically, she was talking about how, you know, how could a a guy who was pastor and who was so close to the Lord commit suicide? And she talked about, you know, how people said, oh, you just got to pray about it. You just got to pray about it. She was just kind of speaking about how obviously uh, prayer is good, but we don't just sit in a room and pray for things and they just come out of the sky. We pray for them and then we work towards them. So I guess that's kind of just, the main thing is just like mental health and faith. Yeah. Uh, what you kind of, I guess, think about that. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and uh, you said this woman was his wife that was speaking uh, on the Ed yeah, Milet so, show? So Ed Milet, the host, uh, was talking to the wife of the husband who committed suicide. I don't remember what, their, what her name was, but... Yeah, so I think that can be a touchy topic. Uh, like you said, I think mental health is kind of coming to the forefront today, mm-hmm. which is a good thing that these issues are being addressed. But also, I think it is important to remember that just because someone's in ministry, like no one's exempt from mm-hmm. potentially dealing with dealing with uh, mental health issues. Even I, I think of Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He was a German pastor in the 20th century. Um, he's known for like opposing Hitler as a German pastor, but he led a monastery essentially for a number of students and was struggling so bad with depression during that mm. that he felt like he just couldn't go on um, but he did keep going on and this is where i heard the phrase like self-pity is from the devil uh, <laughs> he said that to one of his one of his students that he really trusted a lot okay, yeah. with the information that he was struggling with depression but i think today like such a such a person struggling with that would would have more availability like there'd just be more openness to him talking about that mm-hmm. but in the case of that pastor i think that well I, I i did want to address real quick the issue of suicide like as regards christianity mm-hmm. um, and just say that i think that is another one of those things that it's not really any one person's place to judge and say like because mm-hmm. i think the standard at least like catholic pronouncement i don't mean like bash catholic church but catholic was the only christian church before protestantism in the 15th century so Mm -hmm. even before that catholics said like suicide always leads to hell and that's that and i yeah i don't i don't agree with that because i don't think it's human's place to judge something like that and like when jesus said don't judge lest you be judged i think a big reason why he said that is because we don't know all the facts. Like we don't know all the information of a person's life. Only a higher being would have that information. Like what was going on in this pastor's mind? Mm-hmm. It's impossible to tell. Yeah. <laughs> what happened in this pastor's past? We don't know. Um, and so I think that like we can't say uh, as regards suicide that yeah. So that wasn't even really the question you asked, but I just cool. wanted to throw that I in was, there. I just threw the topic out. So yeah. Um, and uh, you yeah, sorry. one of the quick thing about that, I was just thinking about Adam and Eve eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Mm-hmm. They like, that was the original sin. According to the Genesis account, uh, I think that might be related and that could be very symbolic mm-hmm. eating from the tree, of the knowledge of good and evil. Adam means essentially like first man. Eve means like mother of all, something mm-hmm. like that. Um, so it could be highly symbolic, but I think part of the eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, we eat from it and we think that we are rightful judges Mm -hmm. by eating from the tree, even though God only has the access to that knowledge to be able to judge rightly. So just a quick side thought on Genesis and that story. (laughs) Yeah, I think mental health definitely has a place in faith. And I bring it back to the idea that we should look at reality as a whole. Mm -hmm and not box like mental health, faith, um, whatever it might be. I think we should integrate those things and say, how do these things play together? What truth can this area reveal about these other areas? Mm -hmm. And as regards mental health, I think a big piece of that is everyone struggles, like Mm -hmm. in in one form or another, no matter what profession, Mm -hmm. no matter what 
like phase of life they find themselves mm-hmm. in. Trump would never tell you, but I bet he's depressed sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> For instance. <laughs> so yeah, I think I think it's a it's a good it's a good marriage to combine those two and say how how am I feeling? How am I doing mentally? Mm-hmm. How can I stabilize myself more? Yeah. Um, what do you think? And I, I'm curious about what you said about is a is a lot of mental health overthinking potentially. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I feel like. <laughs> like there's always the joke of like you know you look up your symptoms on WebMD and all of a sudden you have cancer or something like that you know it's just kind of going along with that I think there, there are times where just my personality I tend to just think about things way more than I need to it can be as simple as like you know I because I notice maybe somebody's mad at me or something and I just overthink it and it kind of gets me in this mood so I definitely think overthinking is a very big part of the mental health and I think being able to identify those times and stop yourself before you begin getting to those, like just overthinking things way too far can definitely help with like negating the effects of just going down that, you know, cause that's, that's one step. And the next thing you know, I could be happening for a week. And then next thing you know, you're like, why like, I don't want to get out of bed. I don't want to do anything, that kind of stuff. But I do think there's also a very big aspect of depression that is very real. I think it, it, it is good to find a balance of overthinking and actual depression, you know, like, okay, you know, I guess the middle ground of that, because obviously there's people who probably have depression. There's also people who probably overthink, but yeah. And so you're, you're speaking from personal experience Mm -hmm. saying like you felt maybe some like depressive symptoms, but Mm -hmm. you've identified that in yourself and attribute it a lot to overthinking Mm -hmm. and just like mulling it over in your head over and over. I'd, I'd say I could definitely relate to that. Probably neither of us would call ourselves clinically depressed (laughs) Um, but we've seen some of the same symptoms and said like I can help that in myself to say Mm -hmm. I need to stop thinking this round and round Mm -hmm. and do something or think about something else yeah Um, yeah that's that's a good perspective and I think there are definitely differing degrees of depression Mm -hmm. and like the the, even the the brain chemical makeup yeah can play a part yeah Um, but I that, that can even be extremely hopeful for someone to hear that mm-hmm. if they are struggling with depression, <laughs> yeah. it could be linked to them overthinking because then they can do something about it Yeah. as opposed to just like taking medication, taking medication or yeah. talking to counselors, which aren't bad things in themselves necessarily, but mm-hmm. they can maybe start that hard work in themselves. When I was uh, on a mission trip to in San Diego, I think I was like a freshman in high school, we were working in a food kitchen and I was talking to... Um, I think one of the workers, one of the guys that came in and you know, he was just talking about like, yeah, like I just get depressed a lot. So I, just, I try to go out and go to the beach and keep myself busy. So it's, it's that identification of like, okay, yes, I'm having, I'm kind of sad, but let's go do something about it. And honestly, I think the hardest part of that is just getting up and going to do it. Cause I've definitely had days where I'm like, man, I'm kind of just in a mood. I should not just be sitting on the couch all day. I need to get up eight hours later. I'm still there, you know? Mm. <laughs> So just identifying it and getting up and actually going to do something about it is probably the hardest part, I think. Mm, yeah. And then there's kind of the forward momentum once you mm-hmm. do get up and you're mm-hmm. moving around. You might not feel great, but like you're, you're <laughs> doing something and that's something to feel better yeah. about. Yep. All right. Well, I just like to say like that topic we could talk a lot more about. A lot of the topics that we've that we've briefly discussed here, we could talk a lot more about. I look forward to a future episode. Um, and just more conversations. But thank you for being here to record this, and thank you especially for initiating part two. I think it was very fruitful. I'm glad we had the conversation. Woo!
that was my conversation with Cameron Nash again. And like I said, I think that the topics we went over during the conversation could be had in a lot more depth depending on the time and the available energy that two people have. Um, so hopefully Cameron and I have more conversations like that in the future. And I'd love if you join in the conversation by leaving a message on my Anchor profile. And I hope to use those messages in future episodes. But we'd just love to hear your feedback on the episode and your opinions, uh, whether you agreed with me or not. I want to have a conversation about these things that are discussed here on this here on this podcast. So thank you again for tuning in. And you can find the show notes on my blog's website, jonakunish.com, the Points of Intersection podcast tab at the top. If you want to know more about anything we talked about, more in-depth. So thanks for listening to Points of Intersection. Till next time.